Welcome everybody to the Legendarium Podcast. I am Craig. I am your host today for this relaxed weekend episode. It's relaxed, so I'm not bothering to come up with all the insults and everything. With me today, Kyle. Say hello, Kyle. Hello, Kyle. I hate it when people do that. <laughs> I and know you do. That's why I did it. <laughs> it's just the... It's not even a funny joke. It's not just an old it is, joke. It's not It's not supposed to be funny, and it's not even a joke. It's just to piss you off. Okay, well, <laughs> mission accomplished. And a special guest in the studio today, Matt Hatch from the Dusty Wheel. Introduce yourself, Matt. Hey, thanks, Craig. Uh, yeah, I, I run a Wheel of Time YouTube channel. It's kind of a live channel. Called, it's a call-in talk show kind of It's format. awesome. I it's, called uh, it's in, a lot of fun. I called in last night just on a whim. I, I was scrolling through YouTube and I was like, oh, Matt's live. You did. That was perfect timing. That was perfect timing, which is going to apply to tonight. You know, we, we immediately jumped into a topic. And, yeah. Uh, so when we talked last night, you were jumping into The Witcher and I knew that that was something that we were going to discuss tonight. So yeah, it just uh, the forces of, of uh, nerddom aligned <laughs> to get exactly. us together on this topic. Today, we're going to be talking about The Witcher season one of the netflix series that came out on december 20th i want to say so it's been out for a few weeks now general spoiler spoiler alert when we get there we are going to spoil the whole show um so if you haven't seen it heads up on that but before we get to that i do want to remind everybody you can support the show at patreon.com legendarium and if you'd like to to uh, jump in with the conversations that we have you can go to thelegendarium.reddit.com and you can post something there or comment on other people's posts. Either way is fine. And if you want to kind of get more of a live feel as far as chatting with others, we do use a Discord server. So you can pop in there. Uh, if you need an invite, it's all over Twitter and Reddit and everywhere. So a lot of fun uh, over on our Discord server. I think that's enough housekeeping. So uh, like I said, we are going to be talking about The Witcher today, but our first topic of conversation is some very, very sad news that the world um, got this morning, which is the passing of Christopher Tolkien. Are you guys aware of who this is? I mean, the name is pretty obvious, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. But uh, do you know what Christopher Tolkien did? Nope. Other than was the progeny of J.R.R. himself. <laughs> right, right, right. So, yeah, I'm not sure exactly what he's done. So. so when Tolkien died in the 70s, he left most of his life's work unfinished. Uh, he had the Lord of the Rings published. He had the Hobbit published. And, he, you know, he had his other things that he was doing academically. But as far as what the world is most familiar with, the Middle Earth stuff, all he ever got out was the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings. Uh, maybe a couple minor things oh, that's in there all? with Tom Bombadil. That's yeah. all? Just that? Exactly. The two most classic <laughs> things in all of fantasy ever. That's all. Uh, anyway, but he had worked on his whole mythology his entire life. He started his, uh, I believe it was 1917, on the boat to France. Uh, going to World War One. he wrote his first Middle-Earth story. Wow. And so he was working on that his whole life. And when he died, it was not yet in a place where it was pulled together and publishable. And so Christopher Tolkien, with the help actually of Guy Gabriel Kay, uh, who's got a lot of fans in his own right, um, Christopher Tolkien pulled all the notes together and published The Silmarillion several years after his father died. I had no idea that he was the one that... Yeah. Wow. So when The Silmarillion was published, just uh, you know, in case anybody's interested in uh, a few details, there were a lot of questions, and there are still some questions people wonder well, how much of the Silmarillion did did J.R.R. Tolkien actually write? And how much of it was Christopher? So when people started questioning him on that, 
He responded with, if you guys look on that shelf above you, the 12 volumes of the history of Middle Earth. And uh, if you look at those, they're, they're big, thick, hardcover volumes, and they are not actually um, stories in their own right. These are the notes that Christopher Tolkien accumulated from his father's uh, you know, shed in the garage, basically. He had all of his notes uh, on the mythology, and so he put them all together and kind of mapped out how his father had created Middle-earth and all the steps that he went through, all the revisions that he made. So you have lots of different versions of all these stories, um, different edits, different passages, and he put them all together. It's almost like reading, um, it's, it's like the, the best special features for a DVD you've ever seen, where you get to see you know the nuts and bolts of how a movie was made. Did he add anything of his own? Uh, there, the were, there were little holes that he needed to fill. And so, and I don't know if Christopher wrote those or if Guy Gabriel K wrote those. I'm not sure. Um, but there were, t- you know, tiny little, a paragraph here or a line here that was needed to kind of tie this story together with that one and make something approaching a cohesive narrative for the Silmarillion. But the remarkable thing, and the reason that we have the history of Middle Earth, uh, yeah, the remarkable thing about it is that, no, it really is almost entirely uh, Ronald's words. From you know, from when he wrote all those things down, they just kind of helped put them together and edit them into submission. So, anyway, I because of the Silmarillion and because of the history of Middle Earth and because of all these other things that we have. I mean, lately we've had the standalone books like uh, Baron and Luthien and um, the Fall of Gondolin and that sort of thing. We have a few of those other things, but it's largely the Silmarillion, the unfinished tales, the history of Middle Earth that have given people like Robert Jordan, uh, people like Brandon Sanderson, something of a roadmap where you are you can look at the Lord of the Rings, you can look at the finished product and say, wow, what an interesting secondary world. But then you look at all of these supporting uh, pieces around it and you can, you can actually see the roadmap of how he went about creating it um, and taking a lifetime to do it where you know now people can see a little bit better what that roadmap is and do it a little faster maybe a little neater maybe you know um anyway you can decide who is the best at it but he was undoubtedly the greatest and first so yeah i think uh brandon's definitely uh uh creating one of those just in his own right you know when it comes to just you know this huge cosmere right this, yeah absolutely this secondary foundational world around it all of the metaphysics of his world uh so certainly you know, I, he'll leave that legacy, which is following up in this. I, I had no idea uh, the story you just told about uh, Gerald Tolkien and Chris. That's yeah, really cool. so Christopher Christopher Tolkien just passed away, and um, and it's something that kind of devastates me a little bit because I was born after his father died. But I always held out this kind of weird little hope, an inkling, if you will, in the back of my mind that you know maybe someday I would get to meet Christopher. Well, now I won't, but uh, that's okay. It's that's okay. He was actually the last surviving member of the Inklings, uh, believe it or not. So, the Inklings. The right. Inklings being the literary club uh, that was founded by uh, C.S. Lewis and Tolkien and a, a few other writers uh, there in Oxford, and so they would get together and read and and write together, and critique each other's stories, and uh, Christopher would attend meetings when he was younger. And uh, now he's the last one. He's gone. So anyway, I I didn't mean to spend quite so much time on this. It's just uh, something that we have to note. 
the passing of Christopher Tolkien is is uh, a big deal. I guess my point with all of this is that it, does he should his name carry as much weight as his father's? No, probably not. But we owe way more than people understand to him when it comes to what the fantasy genre looks like today. Uh, it, it, he had a massive impact on the even the idea of world building in the first place. So he will be missed. Well done, sir. And yeah. uh, I'm kind of curious what some of the other authors have said about his influence. You know, like like you said, you know, uh, as far as Brandon Sanderson making a comment, I kind of wonder if it's out there. Yeah, I haven't looked. I, yeah. I haven't been checking those out. I, you know, I have a job, so I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't spend all day uh, <laughs> looking at Christopher Tolkien stuff online. But anyway, shall we move on? We shall. Okay. So the other topic today is The Witcher. And uh, this is something that we've been asked to talk about, uh, asked on our Discord server, and I even pulled a few questions and comments from people uh, on Discord for us to address today. But let's just establish where we're at with that. Uh, the Witcher is a Netflix series that aired a few weeks ago. It stars Henry Cavill as the titular Witcher. <laughs> Ooh. Thank you. Nice. Wow. I know. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Did you practice that? No, I just that was literally on the spot. That's how... It's impressive. That's how amazing I am <laughs> at what I do. Uh, and it is, what, eight episodes long, uh, about 45 minutes to an hour each. And you can burn right through those if you're determined. But Kyle, I, so I think, Matt, you and I have finished the show. That's mm. right. Kyle, you are uh, finished with episode two. Episode two, yep. And so I, th I want to kick it to you first. First of all, again, we're going to spoil everything, but Kyle doesn't care about spoilers because he's a weird mutant guy. Much it's like fine. Geralt himself. So, what, you, what's what's the thing that you always try to tell me? Journey before destination and all that garbage. You haven't read it. You don't get to say well, that. Well, you say it to me all the time, and you're criticizing me for not caring about the destination I, and caring about the journey. I was observing, Kyle. I'm just. I saying. wasn't criticizing. I'm just saying. But Kyle, I'm kicking it to you first because <laughs> let's I, kick it. I am curious <laughs> to hear what you think just after two episodes whether it's making sense whether you're enjoying yeah. it how's it going so i'm completely new to this world completely new to the, i hadn't even heard of the witcher until it popped up on netflix and people started talking about it i am now aware that it was a game and books and all kinds of things um, but i've never experienced any of that really until you now. didn't know it was a game didn't even know it was a game wow nope. Yeah. You spend so much time in World of Warcraft, you didn't realize that other <laughs> games had been made for yes. the last 15 years. Basically. Okay. Um, no, I didn't know it was a game. I didn't. I, I mean, I'm not a console gamer. Mm. So, yeah. It is. Uh, so, The Witcher 3 is one of the most acclaimed console games of all time, yeah. as far as I can tell. Yeah. I think the I own a Switch and I own a PlayStation 2, I think. <laughs> You're a terrible father. So. I mean, I have a Switch. You're, no, your children deserve better. They deserve a Switch. Well. <laughs> the Switch. <laughs> my my kids do. Uh, anyways, so yeah, anyways, I'm new, to, I'm new to The Witcher, but uh, I'm really liking it so far. I actually, I was pretty surprised because, um, you know, with the success of Game of Thrones, it's always like, oh, this network needs its Game of Thrones. Netflix needs a Game of Thrones. Amazon needs a Game of Thrones. We were kind of talking about this a little bit earlier. So, and even the tone of of it feels a little Game of Thronesy from like the the trailer and things that you're seeing. Like, okay, we're going dark. It's fantasy. Okay, but it I feel like it couldn't be more different. 
because with Game of Thrones, well, I mean, it could be like the marvelous Miss Maisel or something like sure. that. Sure, <laughs> within within the subgenre. Oh, okay, all right. Game of Thrones is very very light on the fantastic elements, especially. I mean, you have the the White Walkers at first, but it's not really like they go away until yeah, about season five, and you really don't have magic for a while. And this is like, no, we're going all in in episode one. You're getting monsters, you're getting demons, you're getting magic, you're getting elves, you're getting like wizards. He goes and visits, you know, the the sorcerers, and you're seeing it all firsthand with very little um, introduction. It's just we're throwing you in. Here we go. Let's do this thing. Um, and did that work for you so which, far? Which I like a lot. I think. I mean. For me, yeah, I'm a big fantasy fan anyways, um, but I was actually pretty pretty impressed and intrigued that they would make that choice based off of the idea of, oh, we need to find the next Game of Thrones. We want this to appeal to a broad audience, and not everybody's a big fantasy nerd like me. Right. But I think you know one of the things you and I were talking about was maybe they're not as worried about appear, appealing to the broader general audience Um on a platform like Netflix. And so they were okay to, to dig in a little bit deeper and, and be a little bit more niche with this. But what I really like is that they just go for it. Um, there's a couple of like aesthetics that I'm not a huge fan of. There's some costume choices and things like that with the, I can't remember what the guy's name is, but he's the fawn character that comes in in, in episode two and he mm. just looks very odd. Yeah. Um, kind of jarringly so, but I like that they're going for it, and I like the overall tone. Okay. So it's, it's working for me so far. Um, one of the things I thought was interesting, and maybe we'll get into this a little bit later on, and I'm, I'm only two episodes in, so, but the it's very obvious from episode one that we're, we're on separate timelines. Ah, interesting. Okay. I, I didn't pick up on that for a little while. You thought that um, was obvious. I didn't. I mean, they, yeah, I mean, I the dialogue basically was like, so there's there was a scene and it's the what's the queen's name um, the old queen the grandma queen that dies at the like yeah, in the first yeah, episode yeah, yeah. Uh, or whatever queen uh, queen Calanthe yeah so she says she's talking to Siri her granddaughter and she says something about well I or her granddaughter says well you won your first battle when you were this age right right and then cut scene and in the next scene the dialogue between the I think it was the Witcher and the the woman okay she said something about well she just won her first battle oh, okay gotcha. so it was very like yeah. back to back you're very astute kyle uh i mean listen to dialogue it's I, there for a reason i, mean, I did <laughs> I'm, I'm impressed i really um, am so i was like okay we're on we're on separate timelines here i couldn't i couldn't tell how far and they're cutting between things pretty well i mean there's your your three main characters right so you've got siri you've got Geralt, and you've got uh yennefer Yennefer. Mm -hmm. so i'm not sure how she plays in with the timelines but i'm just assuming that all three of them are on separate timelines at this point very nice matt how long did it take you to figure that out okay i want to first establish something i think i was working at the time that i was watching so about episode two i did note you know as part of that kind of like uh that side of your brain as you're working where you where it's like hey notice this thing (laughs) right and i was like oh wait they just mentioned I swear we heard her name in the mm-hmm. first episode. And so I think it was by episode two, which I realized there definitely is a, a second timeline. Yeah. The, the timelines are off here and we're, we're getting a, a story told that mm-hmm. way. I don't think I was ready for that. If that makes sense. I, yeah. 
I was expecting this to be pretty linear. Yeah, that's I I just I didn't know that much about The Witcher, and so I expected it to be linear. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that I was maybe distracted a little bit affected maybe my, my overall impression yeah, of, the, no, of, of, of The Witcher itself. So yeah, I think for me it's. I had a little bit of a different view of it. I, mm. I didn't. I didn't engage with it. I don't think as uh, as clearly right at the beginning. And I think as it developed and the timeline started making more sense to me, as what they were trying to say, you know, mm-hmm. between the timelines, you know, who the characters were. Yeah. I think I, I I bought into it a little bit more by like episode three or four. Right. All right. Yeah. It. Um. I I don't remember exactly when I recognized it, but it definitely wasn't in episode one. So anyway, it, but here's a question from our. Discord server, uh, Kiptan asks uh, for our thoughts on if it would have been improved by adding things like 40 years earlier. So they made it, it kind of, you know, you've got to catch up. You've got to figure out that these are different timelines. So they're doing, you know, some some kind of like fantasy version of Tarantino kind of thing, playing with timelines that way. Um, yeah, what, do, you, do you wish they had made it clearer? I think that would have made it campier to me i don't it, it, i think it would have been like oh geez so now it wasn't actually... campy enough for you <laughs> you know there's that we haven't gotten there yet oh yeah, but yeah okay yeah. we'll get there uh i think i would have and and honestly the way i was watching it, i might have even missed those those cues um uh, no i that i guess if you wanted to kind of piece it together that way you they could have done that but i i don't know the, the discovery of it didn't bother me that much if that makes sense uh, where it it almost, I almost liked the mystery side of that. Like, wait a second, what's going what's on What's going here? on, yeah. Uh, and so I kind of bought into that a bit, I will say. Yeah. Um, as much as I might have disliked some other portions of the show. Uh, right. Uh, that part did not bother me. Okay. Yeah, I like that you bring that up. I, it's, I obviously haven't finished it, but I l- wouldn't like it if they were giving me those cues. It's one of my big complaints with Elantris so far is that I feel like, there's too much exposition and too much, let me explain to you and hold your hand to tell you what's going on and not let you figure it out yourself. Okay. And so uh, I like that it's just left up to you as the viewer, as the audience to piece it together. And if you can't keep up, you can't keep up and maybe you have to rewatch it to keep up. And that's right. okay. All right. All right. Sounds good. Well, uh, let's go back to Discord and check out somebody else's question or comment. Circle Breaker says, uh, ask for thoughts on if season one was entirely Geralt's short story adventures with the other POVs coming in later when their stories start. So I think this comment is asking us this question based on the assumption that we have read the Witcher novels and that we have played the Witcher games. I think it is fair now to say that none of us have done any of those (laughs) things. We have simply watched the show. So we are judging this show entirely upon its own merits, not even necessarily as an adaptation because uh, for us, this is all that The Witcher is so far, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is uh, another version, kind of, or uh, expanding on this question from whatever that name is. Uh, um, see, thoughts on time jumps? We've had that. Uh, how did you feel about Geralt's parts of the episodes? Um, I thought they were a great story of the weeks to help you understand him. So let's talk about Geralt and his function in the show based on these two questions and whether we whether he's an effective protagonist or not. To me, it's a bit like watching The Mandalorian where he barely has a personality, <laughs> only a few lines. Really what it's about is 
he's going on adventures and there are these crazy colorful characters and situations around him. And every once in a while, he's called upon to execute some horrific violence against the evildoers. And that's all we ask of him, right? It's very similar to The Mandalorian in that way. Uh, but does that kind of protagonist work for you, Matt? Well, I don't know if this is the right analogy, but uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, it, it makes me feel a little bit like the, uh, yeah, the Monster of the Week episodes, mm-hmm. where if I didn't know anything about Buffy, and I just kind of uh, entered in episode five, you know, whatever it was in, of the first season there, that's how I feel. I don't, I don't have any connection to him. And so I, it's not an effective, uh, they, at least for me, I didn't uh, get into his character because I don't feel like I know anything about him. So for someone like this who's more kind of anti-hero, at least he is to me, I, I want to know why I should care that this guy's showing up and just executing justice. Murdering everywhere. everybody. Yeah, like, I mean, I think it's great that he can do it. And I think uh, Henry does it well. Mm-hmm. But I'm, and, and I think it was after I read about the Witcher series, after seeing the entire season, that then I, I wanted to go back and watch it with more information about, right. about it. So mm-hmm. that's, that was kind of my initial reaction to, uh, to him in the story. Okay. Kyle, how's it going for you so far? Uh, yeah, I don't feel any specific attachment towards him other than my assumption that he's the main draw to the to the series right right? but i would i will say that i feel like we're getting a lot more character character stories from siri and yennefer's storylines so far i'm only in the first two episodes but yeah i mean the witcher or Geralt. i don't really they don't they don't really talk about where he come from where he comes from or who he is other than surface level stuff or even so far for you yeah or even what his motivations really are other than gold and killing monsters you know (laughs) and that's fine and that's that's okay for me now but uh i would say the most intriguing portion so far are is the yennefer storyline okay because there's there's a lot it feels like there's a lot more depth there to what's going on um and what not necessarily what her motivations are. Her motivations are she wants to be loved and is basically willing to do whatever she needs to to do that. Um, but I think that there's a lot more potential there with her story. Right. And as the story progresses, I really like her her uh, storyline as well. But it becomes not so much I want to be loved as I want to be powerful. Right. I want no one else to ever be able to do to me what mm-hmm. people have done to me for the first part of my life. Right. right. Which, which you, which you, at least for me, I, yeah, I, I definitely loved her character uh, as far as that's concerned. Right. The way they introduced her, you yeah. feel some empathy for this, you know, this individual or, or at least sympathy for her. And then you don't. At least you're not as bothered by her search for power because maybe you accept that it, it makes sense. At no, least for absolutely. Me, yeah. yeah, I think um, there is probably too much stink put on the word power today. Sure. Where it, power is amoral, right? Power is simply a thing that you have or a thing that you don't have. What matters is what is done with power, either by you or to you, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's um, so her seeking power. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. In fact, I would say, no, I do not have a problem with that. The question is, why is she seeking power? What's she going to do with it? Who is she going to become once she attains it? Uh, Those are more interesting questions to me. Yeah, the fact that she inherently has this power and uh, there, I guess to me, she, this, this attaining of this 
degree of power, uh, the fact that she's coming from the roots uh, that she did, it, it makes it so whatever she does with it, I guess, I kind of, I'm already sympathetic to whatever's going to happen at this point. Yeah. Uh, I'm already making some uh, biased kind of, well, <laughs> she grew up like this. Her, her parents were like this. So that explains X, whereas I don't have that feeling for Geralt yet. Right. Right. I, I don't have as much of a, I'm just like, what is this? It's, it's cool that he's doing what he's doing. I just, I don't understand him as well yet yeah. um, as Yennefer. Okay. Uh, well, let's stay on her character for just a moment. Uh, we're going to be going beyond what Kyle has seen for this discussion of, of Yennefer. But there is some controversy around the show uh, because people have a real problem with Yennefer's character. And she is a hunchback. She is kind of disfigured and... Um, Twisted spine, I think is yeah, what they called it in the show. Exactly, right. And so she is she is unlovely to look upon. And so her father doesn't love her and the people around her disregard her. And one of the things that they do at this, um, you know, um, Witcher Island of Witchcraft and Wizardry or wherever she goes, I, I don't know what it's called. <laughs> um, she goes to the Magic Academy and if she graduates, they'll basically make her hot. So try to graduate if you want to be hot. <laughs> and she graduates... <laughs> And she's hot, right? And so there's a there is some some outcry against that idea that um, that oh she needed to be physically attractive in order to be um, to be worthwhile or loved by not only the characters on the show but the audience, right? The audience is ex now expected to like her because she's hot, right? And so what do you think of this um, this reading or viewing? I mean, I think this is realistic to life, which is if you grow up, always look down upon for a particular lack of an attribute, you know, whether or not it's, you know, because she's, you know, she has a twisted spine. I don't care what it is. Maybe there's a mole on your face. And for your entire life, you know, <laughs> we got to do the Austin three, Powers thing, right? <laughs> mole. <laughs> and it, whether or not that's the issue, if you were made fun of that by your, by your family and by your friends and by your classmates and someone brings you to the, you know, Harry Potter's whatever school of wizardry and says, if you graduate, we'll take the mole off. I don't see any, of course, this person's going to want to get rid of this thing that they felt like they were always judged poorly against. Right. Um, so that's happening here. And I, I recognize their kind of very cultural moment, uh, mm -hmm. which I understand, but it's, I, I think this is pretty logical that this is exactly what most people would do in the situation would want this. Um, right. Uh, for what we see her go through. Right. Um, that's, I mean, I guess that's for me. It, and, it, and the thing, the problem that I have with that um, interpretation of her part of the story is that it makes me wonder if people actually finished it or if they just got to episode three or four and said, ah, I can't take this show anymore and I hate Yennefer's storyline without realizing that kind of one of the points of, at least as I saw it, of her storyline was she got everything she ever wanted and she's still miserable. She still doesn't, uh, she, she hasn't found that inner beauty or, you know, whatever Saturday morning cartoon version of this <laughs> that, you know, we want to talk about. She never found that for herself. And so, um, so that's kind of how I saw her character was uh, through the course of the eight episodes, it took her until the final scenes for her to kind of self-actualize we might say and to realize who she is and what she what she's meant to do and well um, all of that 
Well, to this point, uh, when you're broken by, by the outward appearance, you're broken inside. And just because you fix that outward appearance doesn't mean she's not still a broken person. And I, what do you mean by that? Wait, wait, say that again. If you're, if you're, so imagine, uh, so growing up, let's say in that fashion, yeah, that people are looking at you and saying you're not acceptable. Right. That's breaking you as an intern inside. In other words, she's finds herself unacceptable in part because of what she looks like. And so the fixing of that is really just to turn off the ability for people to, to break her continually. But that does I not see. mean she's still not. I, uh, think, I think I see what you're saying. I would probably just push back a little bit on that okay. by saying that it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. And one of the lessons of Yennefer's story is that we, if we are the breakers in that situation, stop it. <laughs> sure. You know, don't, sure. It's uh, my, my great life motto. Don't be a dick. <laughs> right and so if you are one then it's a problem and if you're the one making someone who has a condition like Jennifer's feel the way that she does you're the problem it's it's not so i guess it's just a little bit like it sounded a little bit like victim blaming and i didn't want to go there right where it's it's the fault of those around her and yeah absolutely uh, uh, but it is it is her choice what to do with those things. But it's not her choice that people treat her that way. Absolutely not. No. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So that's that's quite enough, Yennefer, for now. Although no, no, we we do want to stay on this a little bit because there is um, the question that I have about this is whether let's see how do I put this. Kiptan says, does the show ask too much from the audience to achieve mass appeal? And this is something that I want to address because this is definitely a show for a niche audience. And it's an audience that either has played these games or reads fantasy books all the time and is really into swords and sorcery. This is not for a general audience. And I'm thinking of things like, um, you know, the the orgy scene in, in Yennefer's uh, mansion or... The, uh, you know, all the, all the violence, of course, but, um, there's, you know, a lot of gratuitous nudity and sex, and that's just not, not something that we see that often in 2019, 2020, it's, uh, kind of gone away the last couple of years, and this is a bit of a throwback, so, uh, this isn't a show for mass appeal, necessarily, Kyle, do you disagree? Do you think? No, like- I mean, I don't think it's a show for mass appeal, we, we kind of touched on it before, I don't think that they are making it necessarily a show for mass appeal um i think that they're making a show true to the story um from what i understand they're pretty true to the books i haven't read the books but they're they're making a a show true to the story and the story is what it is Mm -hmm. and you either whether it appeals to the masses or not is irrelevant it's just here it is and and the niche audience that's fantasy fans and and the people that have played the games will probably love it and and that's all they need and that's okay yeah yeah i don't what do you think matt i and look I, I think the nudity i think those type of things are their appeal to, to the mass audience <laughs> yeah, in other words uh, <laughs> i think they saw probably my guess would be they as they start they started filming this which was is this going to appeal to even enough people to keep this interesting i i almost look at some of those attributes i feel like game of thrones you know uh, definitely threw that gauntlet out like yeah you can have a great show plus uh, well so yeah say it i think game of thrones started that way but the world shifted in a big way during the time that game of thrones was airing 
and it became less and less acceptable for uh, for gratuitous nudity and uh, you know sexual violence or whatever it was that um, that Game of Thrones was constantly famous for. And so you notice that in later seasons they got away from almost all of that. Well, you had to get away from some of George R. Martin's tendencies. Yeah, right, right. You had to get away from some of those. But well, and that's my point. So as I'm watching The Witcher, it it feels very much like a throwback to the old sword and sorcery thing. So if you go back and watch the Arnold Schwarzenegger Conan the Barbarian, right? This feels very much like Conan the Barbarian in some ways, in the way that it it treats sex and violence. Where, you know, a lot of times we'd say. You know, somebody would say, oh, it's glorifying uh, sex and violence. And you'd say, well, no, not necessarily. No, it is. Yeah, like Conan the Barbarian and this and whatever else we want to throw in there. Kind of the 80s um, uh, fantasy exploitation movies. Like, it, it does. And you just have to decide whether you're okay with that or not, I guess. And so when I say that the nudity isn't for a mass audience, I, I get your point, Matt, where it's like, well, no, I mean, that's, that's what people want to see, right? Well... Depends on who you ask and when, right? And so today it seems a little out of place, but personally, I'm I'm fine with it. Yeah, I would say uh, even going back to the sword and sorcery side, that's I don't think it does have the mass appeal that. Although you know, you look at geek culture. I mean, I, I think it has a greater mass appeal today than it ever mm-hmm. could have maybe 20 years ago. I mean, right? Um, you know, back in the day, I like I said, I think I in my, in my show last night I mentioned my wife never knew that I read fantasy fiction until we were married. Uh, but I'd re- read it my entire life. In other words, was I, that a real strain on your early marriage? <laughs> it actually, it actually was so, Oh no! <laughs> uh, in the sense that she was always like, I don't get the obsession. You know, why are you bringing these books in the car? Why are they everywhere? Why do you pick it up when there's a quiet moment? <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's what books are for. <laughs> no, but in the end that, that was always something I kept to myself, if you will. And so sword and sorcery show today has more mass appeal than ever before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whether or not that equi- you know that's equivalent to what we're calling quote unquote mass appeal. No, I don't think so. Right. But it, it's gaining for sure. Yeah. Anyway, I, I don't see this you know, obviously it's been a month or so and it's has not gained and will not gain the same kind of traction that we got out of Game of Thrones because I think like you were saying, Kyle, this is about targeting that niche. Mm-hmm. We were talking at work about this earlier today about how Netflix doesn't want or need to appeal to everyone. They want people who tend to read a ton of epic fantasy stuff, people who play a lot of video games, they want them to have a reason to stick around on Netflix and keep that subscription for another month, three months, six months. Um, and so that's why they have this for those people. They uh, And so if you aren't that person, if you're a, a soccer mom who loves The Bachelor, then they've, boy, have they got the rom-coms for you on Netflix. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you're not going to know or care about The Witcher because they're not even going to serve up those ads to you. So I I just don't don't think Netflix wants this to be a mass appeal show. Yeah, we're getting a little bit more into like the marketing side of it. But basically, you know, how many people that were huge Game of Thrones fans kept their HBO subscription when Game of Thrones was in off season. Craig puts his da- hand down sheepishly. Exactly, right? Or or even signed up for it in the first place or so they probably just streamed it online uh with some friend's password or downloaded it, you know, with a with a Twitch download or something like right. that. So 
you know, Netflix play is that, well, we are, we've already got everybody on the hook with their Netflix subscription, but with everything else coming out, how do we keep them on the hook? Yeah. Well, we start all of these niche audience things and game of Thrones was a hit. So the Witcher is going to be similar. People will stay around to watch that. Yeah. For the, for the diehard fans in that area. And we'll probably gather in a little bit more, um, than we would have had we had you know something like Game of Thrones not been such a massive right. success. Yeah, that and that's sense. all that they need. Okay. I mean, I think Netflix said this was one of their top shows in 2019, if I remember correctly. Like The Witcher is was really popular. Yeah. Now, and as far as I understand, the the Netflix doesn't really care to need popular shows the way HBO needs popular right. shows. Right. So they can have these less popular things, but. You know, you look at Altered Carbon and some of these other shows that are recently on Netflix. Speak like gratuitous nudity. Yeah, they're definitely going the <laughs> gratuitous nudity route. Nudity route. Mm-hmm. So it's not really, I mean, Netflix is buying into it, I think. Right. And they're just realizing, cool, this is going to get us another 100,000 people still paying that thing or a million people still paying for this. Because yep. they'll show up because they know that we're going to include it. Yep. And to be to be perfectly frank, the a show like The Witcher benefits from game of thrones falling flat on its stupid face at the end right? <laughs> because true. people were let down right and so they're looking for the next one that's not going to be that screw way. it all up. that scratches that new itch that they've found that they didn't know that they were fantasy fans they didn't know that they were into sword and sorcery magic stories and now they are yeah. and they're like okay well what else out what else is out there that can scratch this itch that's not gonna fall on its face like game of thrones right where is it? And here comes Netflix with something like The Witcher. Amazon's queuing up Lord of the Rings and Wheel of Time and, you know, all these things. Yes. So. Yeah. Wheel of Time. Let's say, all right, down boy. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let me get back. I want to stay on the kind of comparison with Game of Thrones and get back to Kip Tan's question. Does the show ask too much from the audience to achieve mass appeal? And I, I think if we actually address Kip Tan's actual question here, the answer is Yes. You look at something like Game of Thrones, and it does a lot of the same things. It has a lot of the same uh, aesthetic of The Witcher, as far as the costuming and the sets and all of that. Uh, There are a lot of superficial similarities, but the Game of Thrones kind of cheated by... Not cheated, but they they appealed to a broader audience by getting away from the fantasy trappings and leaning into the soap opera and making it, you know, who's going to... Who will sit on the the Iron Throne and... uh, Machinations, eh, machinations. Uh, anyway, this show asks a lot more of its audience as far as, um, hey, are you a fantasy fan? The answer better be yes. Well, and not only... Because if you're yeah, not, you're going to hate this. Not only are they... They're doing it on two fronts. They're doing it on the fantasy front where they're saying, hey, hop in. It's wizards and magics and elves and all this fun stuff. Oh, my. But also, we're going to Dunkirk you. And we're going to timeline it, and it's going to be hella confusing. So not only you're are you going to be... You're the only person in the world I know who still uses hella unironically, and I love it. I'm here for it. Hey, it, it is who I am. All right. I am who I am. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, they're they're asking a lot, Yeah. not just from a content perspective, where you're saying you've got to be on board with sword and sorcery, fantasy, elves, yeah. fawns, wizards demons monsters everything you also have to be on board with us making this really confusing for a while and timelines yeah. are crossing and not like you've got different points of view just like you've got in game of thrones which was hard to keep track of all the characters and storylines yep and on top of that you have timeline issues 
there this is something that i kind of talked about a little bit with um uh, c on apple tv plus one of the things about c is that it i think it readily appeals to people who play platform games uh, or console games pretty regularly or people who read a lot of epic fantasy because and witcher is the same way where they're saying, right, we're going to give you a taste of what the world is. We're going to set you up with these characters, but we're not actually going to tell you what's going on for quite a while. And you're just going to sit and stew in this uh, world building that we're doing. And then it's not until, you know, out of eight, eight episodes in this one, it's like uh, episode three or four before you finally get an, an inkling of what's actually going on. And then it's not until episode eight that they finally put all those puzzle pieces in place so that you really understand what's going on and it asks a ton and we as a group here in this room are used to that and we're not only used to that but we actually like that and mm. so that's true you know i yeah i, I think for you gotta watch people, westworld man yeah westworld yeah do I'm, it haven't seen it huh the the surest way to get me not to do it is to tell me i have to <laughs> you have to oh okay Discord, make Craig watch Westworld. Oh, jeez. The problem <laughs> is now now they won't shut up about it. Yep. You've actually you've Come on, ruined Discord. my life. Westworld. Tweet him. Send him messages on Facebook. So, so I'm kind of... Reddit. Oh, sorry. We want, we want it all. I want you to bombard this man with notifications oh. until he watches Nobody Westworld. bombards me without my consent. <laughs> They'll buy you dinner first. That's okay. fine. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what were you going to say? No, I was going to say uh, my theory would be that they did kind of settle into this first season to appeal to the hardcore fans, like you said, uh, the ones that the gamers and such. Yeah. They, as this began with short stories, right? That's my understanding, at least. This kind of started with short stories and became kind of more of a linear novel later. And I kind of wonder if the idea was let's throw this out here. Let's see if we can pull in the people that love this and really will appreciate this because we. We dug into, mm -hmm. you know, doing this the right way. And then season two is kind of the more mass appeal approach, you know. You think more, so? I kind of wonder. I wonder if it's going to have more of a linear story. I mean, there, there's things that I hate. Everything's caught up now, right? Yeah, All the characters right? are together, so. So you, you kind of, I kind of wonder if we'll start to get more of what I would have expected out of a first season. Right. Not knowing anything about and this And this will be furthering one of my least favorite things about modern TV, which is the following phrase. Oh yeah, but it gets really good in season three, <laughs> right? Oh no, no, stick with it. That's what I would tell people about Steven Erickson. Oh you man, you get to book five, <laughs> you can get right out of here. How many how many times have you told me that with with Sanderson? I know. No I man, know. you just got to get through. You got to get through wow. until the avalanche. Um, I'm just saying. I reject your premise because that's <laughs> that's in a single book. So. I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you. You have to <laughs> wait until the end of Oathbringer before it gets good. <laughs> I sometimes tell the people that at the Wheel of Time a little bit. It's like get through the first ten chapters. It's not just the Lord of the that's, Rings. That's ten chapters. That's anyway. All right, sorry. Where, <laughs> this is this is uh, we, we getting down. far afield. So, um, okay. Last question here. XC Black Diamond asks, "What changes would you want for season two? Do we want it to be a more linear story? Yes. Um, do we want?" fewer boobs more boobs do we want more heads chopped off how okay. about eviscerations i like the eviscerations i mean he doesn't really i mean he sort of chops heads but he kind of like 
stabs and then rips heads. That's true. <laughs> that was so awesome. <laughs> I want fewer set pieces. And I don't know how to explain this, but from a setting perspective, when they go to the academy, uh, I don't yeah. just want like a, hey, look, there's the picture of the front of the academy. And now we're in a room in the academy. Like, I want this feeling like I'm in this world. Yeah. Not like I'm just going from set to set to set. Like, that. that's one aspect of the first season that just... Drove you a little crazy. Oh, yeah. It drove me nuts to the point where I was just like, oh, look, they're standing around a table and talking. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, now we're in this other hey, place. That is and... literally what we're doing right now, except <laughs> sitting. <laughs> and so if that's not good enough for you, then I, d- I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> so that's what I'm hoping changes. In season two, I'm hopeful that we're going to get a little bit more, and, and probably will be the case with a more linear yeah. uh, style. That's the feel I want. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, next time you come, we won't sit around a table and talk. We'll jog in place <laughs> whilst recording our episode. So, um, Kyle, I don't even know if I want to ask you that question because you haven't finished season one yet. So, um, as far as what I want from season two, I don't have any expectations. I didn't go into season one expecting anything because I hadn't consumed any Witcher content before. Uh, and I just kind of went along for the ride and, and uh, had a good time. And I, what I hope for a season two is that it exists and we know it will they've started filming already as so henry cavill has posted a few things here and there about uh, they've, they've started filming witcher 2 so uh, i'm excited for it and i don't i will again go in with no expectations um and just look forward to whatever they want to give me because this was and, and maybe we can kind of move into final thoughts here on the show and i'll just start with mine this was uh, people ask me so did you love it and my answer is kind of no, but I really liked it. It compelled me to watch. I wanted to keep watching all the way to the end. Um, I I enjoyed a lot of things about it, and, and there isn't much that I could point to and be like, oh, that was stupid, except maybe the bard. Everybody loves him. I hate him. No, I hate him. <laughs> um, you know, there, there are things that I can point to that I mostly would say, yeah, I really, really like the show, but it's not... It's not inspiring the same fervor within me that something like Game of Thrones did, um, which, frankly, I'm okay with. I just want a good diversion every once in a while, and this is a classic sword and sorcery tale that provides that for me for eight hours. End of story. I'm good with it. And a catchy tune. And uh, It is, uh, <laughs> somebody on Twitter called it the earworm of the decade. Oh, yeah. And that is accurate. It really, like... There's so much that is immersive in the story when you talk about the the sets and the costuming and the, just the atmosphere of the whole thing. And then the bard starts even just talking, let alone singing. But when he starts singing, I'm like, Are you, shut up with your shut up with your your NSYNC tunes or whatever they are. <laughs> it's bad. Know. It's bad. Yeah, who wrote this? But what's his name that guest starred on Game of Thrones? The, the Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. What is this? Ed Sheeran. Get out of here. Um, did not care. He just kept ripping me out of the story and, uh, not, not favorite. That's how I felt. I like the actor though. He's great. Yeah, he's great. They they gave him a terrible part, but he was great in it. So sorry, go on. No, I was going to say the, uh, for me, it was more, mostly a terrible experience, but I'm a sucker for these kind of stories. A terrible experience. Yeah. What I mean by that is, uh, I just was annoyed by a lot of the things they did every episode and I wanted it to be better, but I kept watching. And to your point earlier, I'm absolutely going to watch season two. Yeah. There's something about it where I'm like, this might just be the first 10 chapters I don't like of a story that I will love in the end. And right. I, and I, I think it's more me 
than it is likely the story other than this the set pieces that bug me in the bard <laughs> issue but i so it's it's funny because i'm not they didn't lose a viewer because they made those creative choices but they didn't gain a fan they did not gain a fan Ooh, yeah there you go nice. nicely done Kyle, I don't even want to let for, you. I'm here for one line anymore. an episode. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you, do you have any final thoughts you want to share after two episodes? I like it so far. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to going home and watching two more episodes and yeah, continuing on. I think it's fine. Um, again, I don't know that I'm like so bought in that I'd be like, oh, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Um, but it's it's pretty cool. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, very good. Pretty cool. That's what I want. They, they need to put that on the uh, DVD cool. when they release the DVD set. Can that be hella pretty cool? cool. <laughs> hella, hella, hella cool. The Legendarium Podcast. Yeah. There. Done. I, no, pretty cool is better. Coin it. Toss right. a coin to it. Toss a coin to that. Sh- uh, never mind. Okay. So <laughs> thank you, everybody, for listening. Matt Hatch yeah. from the Dusty Wheel. Thank you for joining us. If you are if you out there listening, if you are a Wheel of Time fan or just a fantasy fan in general, but definitely the Wheel of Time is, is your main focus, go to the Dusty Wheel on YouTube and uh, you do live streams just about every Wednesday night yep. that people can uh, enjoy. They can call in. Actually, yeah. there is a number. Like I said, I called in last night. It was a lot of fun. So I would encourage you to go check out that YouTube channel. Thanks again for joining us. Appreciate it. Kyle. Thanks yeah. for uh, driving Thanks eight for no minutes. Thanks. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, whatever. I don't know. I'm <laughs> here. I'll see you far too soon. So. I know. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Don't forget to support <laughs> us at patreon.com slash legendarium and support, or sorry, and join the conversation at thelegendarium.reddit.com. Tell Craig to watch Westworld. I kill people for fun. <laughs> so you should stop. You should just stop doing that. All right. Have a good week.